Good evening. Good evening. Welcome to the Q&A, you guys. Welcome to the q and I've got a lot of good questions. Won't keep you long tonight, um, but really want to go over all the questions and really what's happening in the industry. Um, it's a great opportunity um, to, to really start the process of building wealth. So um, we, we had a good um, caravan to some of our investors' properties on Saturday, the Platinum Coaching Program. Uh, students, if you guys are interested in our um, Platinum Coaching Program, reach out to me, reach out to Keith. Um, we'd love to sit down and talk to you and, and talk to you really about elevating your, your business and taking it to the next level. Um, got some questions on different areas. We actually we, we were in Baltimore on Saturday, so got a couple questions about Baltimore, Maryland. What are the best areas? Um, a properties, B property, C property, D property. What does all that kind of stuff mean? I'll go over the math um, um, this evening, uh, but I, I don't know if we'll do a competition. I I want to um, take my time and just really go over the math with you guys, um, just to make sure that you guys understand it. Keith Bennett is in the house. So contact Keith. Keith would love to talk to you guys about our Platinum Coaching Program. Our, our students are doing a great job. We went by Allison's property in Baltimore. She's one of our Platinum Coaching students. She, she um, purchased the property um, on an online auction. And um, Latisse's property also in uh, Reservoir Hill. Um, and, and so they're getting those properties through auctions, through wholesalers, um, social media, they're cold calling. Um, sending out postcards, doing things like that. So it's prime time season, you guys. Um, spring has started. Spring market is here. Um, the real estate market never really, be because of COVID and the seller's market, the real estate market really never did cool down. But this is prime time season. So <clears throat> let's do some marketing. Driving for dollars, you know, wh wh whatever it is, let let's do some marketing. And so um, interest rates, interest rates are creeping up just a little bit. You guys can still get investor loans. Uh, we've got, we have lenders. We, we have lenders that can get you investor loans, whether you're fixing and flipping, you need rehab loans, or you're buying and holding. We've got some really good um, buy and hold products, really good buy and hold products, um, if you're if you're looking to um, buy and hold, and of course you know celebrate settlement services or, or investor title invest investor friendly title company is ready to serve you. And so if you you guys need to close close fast close with a title company that understands investing, um, give give uh, give celebrate celebrate settlement services. Say that three times quickly. Um, a holler. And so put in the comment section, let me know how you guys are doing. How, how are you guys doing? Um, what do you guys need help with? Let me know what you guys are grateful for this evening. It's, it's Tuesday evening. We've been experiencing great weather. Um, Easter's coming up. Um, what are you guys grateful for on this Tuesday evening? What are you guys grateful for? Uh, we'll probably take a break next Tuesday. Um, and then we'll be back the following Tuesday. So 
And you can still contact me with any questions. But um, what are you guys grateful for? Put in the chat box, let me know. Also, um, just want to give you guys a shout out. I've, I've been buying properties myself. And I've been primarily buying these properties through wholesalers. And so I'm happy to pay top dollar to wholesalers. Find a property. I'll vet the property for you. I'll go to the property with you. Um, I'll run the numbers. Happy to do that. Happy to run the numbers. Um, you've got a cash buyer here. I, I primarily buy in D.C. I buy in Prince George's County, Maryland. Um, I will buy in Baltimore. Uh, but I have lots of investors, lots of other cash buyers that will buy in Baltimore. Um, for those of you that don't know, um, we're opening up an office in uh, Baltimore, in Owens Mills. And so um, that office should be open in, in June, at least starts June 1st. And so uh, we'll have some type of um, grand opening, a launch party. But I want to open it up to investors, too. If you guys are in the area, in the Baltimore area, and, and need a place to go to, to do work, do business, write contracts, whatever you need to do, um, that office will be open for you guys as well. Not just my agents, <clears throat> obviously open for my agents, but also for my investors as well. All right. So um, let me let me get with some of the questions here. Let me start with some of the questions. Um, let's see. All right. And so the first question is, um, it says you mentioned um, buying the property in a company's LLC name. So definitely, um, I want you guys buying the properties in the LLC. Definitely do that. Um, don't I don't want you buying properties in your own name. I mean, you can, but um, you're not protected. If something was to go wrong, everything that you have, um, if sued, um, you know, the plaintiff can get. So we want to protect ourselves. So we set up an LLC to protect ourselves. So I want you guys to be protected. And so we set up an LLC to protect ourselves. Um, but then also we set up an LLC so that not only are we protecting ourselves, we're also um, shielding ourselves from paying um, uh, corporate taxes. So as an LLC, we're taxed as individuals. And so that's why we set up an LLC. Um, and so I want you investing out of an LLC. Next question is, do you create an LLC for each buy and hold? So that's a good question. And so the answer is, I, I personally, I don't. Um, maybe three or four properties. And, and that's it. But I, I don't because it's almost kind of the same theory. If you have, let's say, 10 properties in one LLC and something happens on one of those 10 properties, hey, Iris, uh, Iris is here, and something happens to one of those 10 properties, you guys, and that LLC gets sued, then all the assets in that LLC, you know, um, can be taken away from you. And so I limit my LLCs to um, to the properties in my LLCs to three or four. As a matter of fact, um, I have three properties now that um, two, two of them need to get rented out. So I own them free and clear. Um, actually, I own all three of them free and clear. One of them is rented out Section 8. 
I'm going through lead testing, which has already been completed. Um, I just need to get a um, inspection from the city in Baltimore, and then I'll rent out the other two, Section 8. And so I'm going to combine all three of the properties into one loan. And so I'll have all three into one loan, into one LLC. Um, and I'll just have those three properties in, in an LLC. I've got four properties in another LLC with one loan. I like doing it that way because, you know, with, with four different or three different settlements, you're paying, um, you know, closing costs on all, all three. Uh, when you bundle them, you know, you're only paying the title company one set of, you know, um, title charges. <clears throat> so it's just a lot cheaper um, that way. Same with the lender charges, things like that. Um, the lender charges are on one loan. So um, on the one loan that I have with the four properties, I think the loan amount is about 160, something like that, 160. Um, actually, one of my properties actually pays for the mortgage. And, um, and so I've got incredible cash flow on that, on that loan. And the same with the one that's coming up. Um, that loan amount will be about 140, about 140, maybe 200 on those three. Um, but the mortgage payment on those three should be about uh, $1,200. The property taxes in, in Baltimore are really, really inexpensive. And with the low interest rates, um, on those three properties, I would imagine my payment would be somewhere around eleven or twelve hundred. One of them will rent for sixteen, no, fifteen hundred, fifteen hundred dollars, and so one of the properties pays for the mortgage and then some, and I'll have all three of them rented out, and I'll I'll use a voucher holder. They'll all be in one LLC. So that's one way to do it. That's actually the Burr method, <clears throat> but that's just one way to do it. Um, but I don't I don't put a lot of properties in one in, in one LLC. <clears throat> um, all right. Next question. Uh, can you explain uh, how you can tell the differences between A, B, C and D properties? <clears throat> all right. So generally speaking, when we talk about A, B, C and D properties, um, the, the A are the best properties. The A's are <clears throat> generally kind of in affluent neighborhoods, um, low, low crime rate, <clears throat> generally high taxes there. Um, as investors, um, we generally don't invest in those areas. Um, because those A areas are, are more expensive. And so we generally don't um, invest in those areas. Um, those of you who are in the DMV, I, I would say that like a Georgetown, uh, Potomac properties there, um, probably almost all of um, like Montgomery County, not all of Montgomery County, but those type of areas, those are A neighborhoods. As investors, we don't invest there because, um, like I said, it just costs too much there. Um, so that's at one end of the spectrum. At the other end of the spectrum are your D neighborhoods. Your D neighborhoods um, are the most inexpensive properties. But um, 
as opposed to the A neighborhoods where there's low crime, D neighborhoods are the most crime. Um, so you've got high crime um, on those pri properties. Um, you've got a lot of maintenance um, because because of the type of tenants that those those neighborhoods attract. So you've got a lot of maintenance costs there. Um, you, you you're getting um, you're getting those properties um, inexpensively, but because of a lot of crime <clears throat> in Baltimore, you'll, you'll, you'll see a lot of board ups on streets. Those are neighborhoods that are D neighborhoods. As investors, we don't buy in D neighborhoods um, where there's high crime, um, where there's really low appreciation. Um, we don't buy in those neighborhoods. We generally as investors buy in B and C neighborhoods. I try to buy in B and C neighborhoods um, honestly, I would prefer um, really C neighborhoods because in in C neighborhoods, for example, in Baltimore, I'll just take Baltimore for example. Um, if I get a call and say, "Greg, I, I've got a property at um, that you can buy for ten thousand dollars or fifteen thousand dollars," I don't even look at it because I already know it's in a D neighborhood. I'm generally buying for forty thousand dollars, fifty thousand dollars. Um, up to seventy thousand um, dollars, because those those are in B and in C neighborhoods where um, the crime is not as bad. Um, you're still getting a lot of good, really good appreciation on those properties. Um, the maintenance costs aren't that aren't as much as a, a D neighborhood, um, and so we generally buy in B, B and C neighborhoods, and so. <clears throat> Um, I, I got a question um, on what are the better neighborhoods or what are some of the neighborhoods <clears throat> to consider in Baltimore? That was one of the questions for fix and flip or buy and hold. And <clears throat> um, if you guys could help me out, <clears throat> put in the comment section, what are some of the neighborhoods that you guys like investing in or familiar with? And so I would say like a Bel Air Edison, 21213 is probably a B minus C neighborhood. I invest there. I invest there because I can buy fairly low, but still um, around $40,000. The one I have now I bought for $45,000, around $40,000 at an auction. But the houses sell for about $175. Um, and the rents are about $1,500. Um, so that's Baylor Edison. For me, it's a B minus uh, C neighborhood. Charles Village is more of a B neighborhood, 21218. And so I've owned properties there in Charles Village. Pigtown is definitely like a B neighborhood. Brooklyn, Brooklyn is a C neighborhood. Um, Edmondson, that's in West Baltimore, 21229. That's, that's, in my opinion, more of a C neighborhood where I bought a two unit there for, I believe, 48,000. Tenants were already in the property. Um, I kept the tenants because the tenants were voucher holders and they were already paying up to the limit of what voucher holders were paying at the time. And so I, I kept, I kept um, the tenants in there. And so I basically bought the property turnkey. Um, so that's Edmonton Village. Um, Tanja is saying Holland Market is good. 
Um, Holland Market, I would I would say it would be more of a, a B B minus neighborhood. Uh, Reservoir Hill, and so they so the Platinum Coaching students actually went to Reservoir Hill um, Saturday. Uh, Latif, one of our um, Asian investors, has two properties there. Rose, Reservoir Hill is a B neighborhood all day long. B neighborhood, uh, maybe B plus neighborhood. Um, property that he was renovating though was was a gut job and uh, took a lot of renovations one of those big four level um row houses that i actually had one in reservoir hill similar property um probably like five or six years ago where i was going to renovate it and make it a four unit building because it had one of those uh i forget those stair steps stair cases on the exterior on the back um, and had kitchens on all four levels bedroom bathrooms on all four um, so it, it was a four unit building i was going to keep it as a four unit building but it was just too much work it was in a historic neighborhood um, that's another set of inspections and so i said i'm not so i wholesaled it and uh made twenty thousand dollars bolton hill is good so um charvita is saying bolton hill Bolton Hill is good. Those of you who are either in the DMV or outside of the DMV, um, if you, and one of the reasons why I even why I'm getting an office in Baltimore for my agents and myself is because you can really make a fortune if you if you know what you're doing, know the neighborhoods like you guys are asking. Um, you can make a fortune if you just really study it. It, you know, I, I, I get the question about zip codes and I, I don't think it's a fair question because every zip code in Baltimore is good and bad. I just mentioned um, Edmund, Edmondson Village. That's 21229. In some parts like where I bought right on Edmondson Avenue, um, it was it's like a D, like a C plus neighborhood. You buy there all day long. Where I'm at, no board ups whatsoever. No board ups. Um, but going on down the street, um, about five or six blocks down, you're still in Edmondson Village, you're still 21229, nothing but board ups. So every zip code has its pluses and minuses. That's why you can never, ever buy a property in Baltimore sight unseen. You can't do that. You've got to you've got to go to Baltimore and actually look at the property, but more importantly, look at the neighborhood. I'll look at some neighborhoods, and I won't even get out the car. I'm like, I'm not, you know, there's board ups here, um, and so you really have to know, really have to know what you're doing, and you can do extremely well. Baltimore, I think I've said this to you guys um, a lot. But Baltimore is the number one residential rental area in the United States. Number one, number one, um, and it's because you can buy low and rent high, um, especially with voucher holders. And there's a backlog. I mean, there's a backlog. Some investors they get phone calls from from housing. Do you have any properties? We've got all these voucher holders. Nothing, you know, no houses for them. And so you got to get to know the process. I, I, I'm a big advocate uh, for voucher holders, not just Section 8. There's all kinds of different programs. 
but um, I'm an advocate for it because primarily because it's recession proof. I went through a recession where I had a portfolio of 13 properties, almost all of them in DC um, when the market crashed in 2007, 2008. My income was cut in half. A lot of my tenants lost their jobs. They weren't paying. I had bought the properties in the 90s, so I had a ton of equity in them. And I ended up selling, slowly but surely selling them off um, because I just couldn't subsidize, you know, the rents. And, 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 you know, it comes with a lot of regret. You know, I could have fought and held on to them. Um, they, they didn't have like the programs that are out now that's like moratoriums and there's PPP money and small business money. They didn't have that back during the recession. At least I don't remember it um, like they do now. Um, and that that lasted a lot longer than hopefully this is going to last. That lasted for seems like started in 2007. Um, stock market crash, real estate market crashed, everything crashed. See, we didn't start pulling ourselves out. Somebody correct me if I'm wrong. It seemed like it took three or four years before we really started to pull ourselves out. Hopefully with everybody vaccinated by I think it's July 1st, they want everybody vaccinated towards the end of the year. You know, we'll start to pull ourselves out and, and hopefully business as usual, but we'll, we'll see. But um, so one of my regrets in life is to sell off some of those. I did keep some of them, but I mean, I had properties in, in D.C. that now I had one in Petworth that I bought. I was all in around around 200,000. I mean, my property in Petworth now would have been and probably hopefully would have had it um, paid off by now. Um, Petworth, you're buying, you're selling ARVs around 900, um, 950. And I had completely renovated that house and decided to uh, rent it out. And I had others, I had others all around the city. That's another lesson, you guys. When you're, when you buy property, take it from me, when you buy property, do whatever you can to hold on to it. You know, if you need money, get a line of credit or, do a cash out refinance, whatever that is, um, because I've owned a lot of property since I bought my first property at 22. Um, and some I, you know, I, I wish I would have held on to that properties in DuPont Circle, Adams Morgan, Fort Lincoln, Petworth, like all over. Um, I mean, we live and we learn. And so I preach, I preach. You buy a property, hold on to it. You know, my my strategy at the time was to um, early early in my career to sell off some of the properties and then scale up and buy multifamily. I was young; I was in my twenties. Um, by the time I was twenty eight, I believe I had five properties all in the city, and I had these dreams of grandeur. And I sold off a couple of the properties and never, never bought the multifamily like I thought I would, like I had planned. So hold on to your properties. I hold on to them now. Um, but that's just lessons learned. All right. So hopefully um, those are great, great areas in Baltimore, you guys. Um, um, I, I, I love Baltimore, but I love DT too. You know, I'm, I'm hopefully we'll be buying a property in um it's called um, River Terrace. 
I forget the other name for it, River Terrace, uh, Lily Ponds. And so, um, but we, we, we call it River Terrace. I, I believe those of you from DC, familiar with DC, um, if you were to ask me what's the up and coming area, where should you be buying now that properties are going to appreciate at 70% um, in the next two or three years, like Trinidad did, Trinidad, the Trinidad section of Northeast DC, um, over the last five or six years have appreciated at 70%, you guys, over the last five or six years, um, the next area is River Terrace. I mean, we, we all know that Deanwood is probably already there. So obviously Deanwood and then River Terrace or River Terrace in Deanwood. So I, I'd start buying up Lily Pond, all that's right there. Lily Pond slash River Terrace and then Deanwood. And so if you guys find properties in those areas, I'll buy whether they're like this one. Hopefully, if I get it, I don't know if I will. It's a two bedroom. And I generally don't buy two bedrooms to hold. Um, my model is three bedrooms, three bedroom row house, interior unit. That's that's my model. Um, but this one's two bedrooms. No basement interior unit, I believe. Um, I, I want it. I'm like, I'm all over it because I see what's happening in the marketplace, especially now. Um, property values, um, properties are appreciating now um, at 20% a year, 20% a year, double in value in five years. But even, even so, so the one that I hope to buy, the um, after repair value now is 400. 400,000, two bedroom, um, one bath, no basement, river terrace, after repair value is 400. If I just get 10% appreciation in the next 10 years, it doubles in value. 10 years worth 800,000, hard to fathom right now, but it, it was hard to fathom 10 years ago um, when we were buying in river, when after repair value in River Terrace was like, like 199, 175. Now, 10 years later, it's 400. Like it's almost hard to believe. Properties in Congress Heights, 400, 450. Deanwood, three bedroom, two bath in Deanwood, $500,000, half a million. It's like unbelievable. Unbelievable. You look back at it 10 years ago, it's like, no, Deanwood, no, 10 years ago, we were buying, we after repair value in Deanwood was like less than 200,000. 150. Look up the comps, realtors, look up the after repair values in, in Deanwood now for a row house, three bedrooms, two bath, over $500,000. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And so that's, and so I just kind of, without really doing it, kind of compared and, and contrasted the um, the rental markets in Baltimore and DC. We, we buy and hold in DC for equity and appreciation. And you, you can get, you'll get cash flow, but not as great as Baltimore. So DC equity and appreciation, we, 
invest in Baltimore primarily, primarily for cash flow. We're not expecting any, I, when I buy in Baltimore, I don't expect any appreciation. I get, I get my equity going in. I, go, I get my equity when I buy the property. So I make sure I buy the property right. Um, these, these two that I have, um, I mean, I own, I own free and clear, but we'll put mortgages on them for about $70,000 a piece, so somewhere around there, $70,000 a piece. Um, but after repair value is 140. So I'm going in at $70,000 in equity for each property. So one, 140, 150 in, in equity for the two properties. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna have over for the two properties, now I'm gonna bundle them with a third, but for the two properties, I'm gonna have over $2,000 in cash flow on those two properties. Over $2,000 in cash flow on those two properties. So, um, and so that's what you do in Baltimore when you're holding. You've got to make sure that you're buying for cash flow. And cash flow in Baltimore can't be $100,000 a month in positive cash flow, or 200, or even 300. I mean, in, in DC, you're getting incredible appreciation, and you're still getting like four, five hundred dollars a month in cash flow starting out. And so that's why a lot of people love, you know, you know, or invest in, in DC um, as opposed to Baltimore. But you, you, I, I invest, so I try to do both. In my portfolio, I have both. I mean, I, I, I have a mixed bag. I've got Anne Arundel County, which is Annapolis. I have a property there. Um, PG County, Baltimore, DC. So I, I have a, a mixed bag of, of properties in, in my portfolio. And I think that's the best way to do it. The best way to do it. Um, so Eric is saying River Terrace is nice. Just curious, do you think it's a B or C neighborhood? Good question, Eric. I, I, I would say that River Terrace, River Terrace right now is probably, in my opinion, like a C plus neighborhood. But I think it's on the verge of being a, like a B minus neighborhood. Uh, much like those of you, all the old heads on here that know what River Terrace was like, say 20 years ago, not River Terrace, Trinidad was 20 years ago. Uh, how old am I? Or 30 years ago, what, what um, Trinidad was like. Um, it was run down, it was drug infested. Um, you were, you, you didn't wanna go up and down those streets in, in, in uh, Trinidad, 20, 20, even 20 years ago, but definitely in the 80s, um, in the mid 80s, early 90s, where when DC was drug infested, where, where DC was the murder capital of the United States, Trinidad, Trinidad right there. Now with gentrification, Trinidad, Trinidad is selling like, so, um, I went and looked at a property last week in Trinidad after repair value was almost like 900,000 in Trinidad. 
They've got some in the millions. There's lots of condo conversions um, in Trinidad. And so all of that's going to happen in, in River Terrace. Mark my word for it, all of that. So it's coming out. So River, so, so going down Benning Road um, is, is um, Trinidad. And so coming up towards 90, 295, you got Spingon High School. You've got Langston Golf Course on one side. You've got the old um, RFK Stadium. And then like a quarter of a mile up from there, or really right there, is uh, River Terrace. And so it's just coming up, Benning Road from Trinidad. Um, it's going to be, um, you know, River, River Terrace is the next section. And so Dana's asking, um, let, me, let me put his question up here. Dana's asking, does that mean that Baltimore would not be good starting out your portfolio, meaning that your, your borrowing would not be as great to do um, to less equity? And so I think it's quite the contrary. I think Baltimore is a great area to start with your portfolio. It's a great area to start. And most of you guys should get started in Baltimore. Um, the reason I say that is because you want to, number one, buy the property right in Baltimore or in any area. You want to buy with equity. And so each one of my properties recently, I'm, I'm buying for, uh, well, some, what I bought in Bel Air Edison, I've got, I bought with $100,000 in equity, but the other ones uh, are about 70. So you've got $70,000 in equity right now. Um, you start there because in Baltimore, it's inexpensive. And so it's very, very inexpensive. Um, you can start with equity and you're going to have incredible cash flow. Now, the more of those properties in Baltimore that you buy, let's say you start at $70,000 in equity and you've got, you've got, you eventually get up to about five properties at $70,000. I mean, that's, that's $350,000 in net worth just on those um, five properties. And, and let, let's say that you get a little bit less than 5% appreciation that 350,000 can turn into a half a million dollars in, in equity, which means on those five properties, you've got a half a million dollars in net worth. And so what does that mean for you on those five properties? Um, when you, when you go to fill out your personal financial statement to the bank, when you're looking for, um, more lines of credit because of that, um, that equity, um, on your personal financial statement, you're going to be able, they're going to lend you more money or give you more, um, more money. Now with that line of credit, let's say that with just those five properties, um, Dana, you're able to get a line of credit and this is real. You're able to get a line of credit of a million dollars. Now you take that line of credit and if you want, now you go to what I would consider um, better properties um, that's going to appreciate. But you used those properties that were inexpensive to put on your personal financial statement so that eventually you could borrow more money 
to, to graduate to either multifamily, graduate to uh, better neighborhoods that are going to appreciate, um, to gra graduate to what, whatever else you want, could be commercial real estate. But you use those Baltimore properties as a base to give you a lot of credibility um, on your personal financial statement. So now when you go to an Eagle Bank or a Sandy Spring Bank or a Capital Bank, um, one of those community banks, and say, I want a million dollar line of credit or I want a $2 million line of credit, they're going to look at um, your personal financial statement. How many properties do you have? They're going to look at that. Um, they're going to look at what are your own personal expenses? They're going to look at that. Um, any cash that you may have, they're going to look at that. And guess what, you guys? The last thing they look at, the last thing is your credit. That's the last thing they look at. They want to know. They want to look at everything else. They want to build a, you know, look at the picture and, you know, kind of build a plan for you. Last thing they look at, last thing they even care about is your credit. Now, just getting started, I mean, I would say that you need at least a 680 credit score. Um, but Dana, use Baltimore to initially build you up and give you credibility. Now you use that credibility. Hopefully this is making sense to you guys. Now you use that credibility to now, now you've got power. I'm going to go and get a million dollar line of credit. Now, million dollar line of credit sounds like a lot of money, but the reality is, um, unfortunately, it's not a lot, especially if you're buying and holding, especially if you're buying and holding in, in say, an area like D.C., um, east of the river, a million dollars will probably only get you maybe three properties, maybe four, but probably three, which is fine. Because once you've used up that line of credit, you've been paying your mortgage notes on time. Now you go back and say, I want to increase my line of credit. No, increase it. A lot of my platinum coaching students have done what, what I'm suggesting. One of them started with only like 200. They started her off with like a $275,000 line of credit. Use that up on one property. Three months later, she went and gave, they gave her a half million dollar line of credit. Bought two properties with that, buy and hold, um, their cash flow. Then she, then she went in and said, I want a million dollars. It gave her a million dollars. She showed a lot of, a lot of credibility, gave her a million. Now she's going for two million and so on and so forth. Most banks will only uh, give you a line of credit up to about 15 million, but just keep going, just keep going. But here's the trick, you guys. Now she's going to another bank to get another line of credit from another bank. So now she's got two banks and hopefully um, <clears throat> a couple of years from now, she'll have 15 million from one and 15 million from another um, started off in Baltimore to answer Dana's question, start off in Baltimore and just kind of grew. And that's how you grow. You guys, that's how you grow. And so DJ is asking, can you, can you get a HELOC? 
um, on an investment property. Can you get a home equity line of credit on an investment property? Absolutely. Absolutely, you can. All right. All right. So, yeah, Andre is saying buy low, sell high. We want to buy low. Absolutely. Absolutely buy low, sell high. All right. Um, let's see. Let me answer a couple more questions. Um, what are some areas, neighborhoods to consider fix and flip for newbie um, in PG County? That's a good question. And so the question is for someone new fixing and flipping in Prince George's County, Maryland, somebody somebody put in the chat in the comment section, what are some good areas there? What are some good areas in um, Prince George's County? Um, to to uh, fix and flip. And so I'm, I'm fixing and flipping one now. I'll be done. Hopefully at the end of this week, I'll be done with my Suitland project. So I have a project in Suitland. So Suitland's a good area. Um, I know most of you guys, the comment section hasn't come up yet, but you guys are. And so so Lynn, so Lynn and Terry, which which I knew they were going to do, both said Capitol Heights. Clinton just said, forget Capitol Heights, all the heights and all the hills. And so um, Fairmont Heights, Capitol Heights, uh, Hillcrest Heights, DJ. DJ's even got some of the hills in here, like Temple Hills. Um, and so, yeah, all, all the heights and all the hills um, are good. District Heights. Tangent District Heights. And so all of these areas over the last probably 20 years, I've um, bought lots of houses at and either held them or flipped them or wholesaled them. Eric is saying Lanham and Fort Washington. Fort Washington is definitely, um, those of my coaching students know, I just recently uh, flipped two properties in, in Fort Washington. Um, Capitol Heights. <clears throat> Who would have ever thought, speaking of appreciation, speaking of like 70% appreciation over five or six years, that's Capitol Heights, you guys. That's Capitol Heights. Capitol Heights almost sells as good as um, Fort Washington now, believe it or not. Believe it or not, if you run the comps in Fort Washington and run the comps in Capitol Heights now, almost the same. Almost the same. You wouldn't have thought that 20 years ago, even 10 years ago, really. Um, but Capital Heights has been so good to investors that probably, mark this, you guys, over 50% of all the houses purchased in Fort in um, Capital Heights, over 50% are purchased by investors, are purchased by investors in Capital Heights. Um, that's how popular Capital Heights is. Um, speaking of buying low and selling high, that's what you do there. But because of it all, <clears throat> because of it all, it's really appreciated, like incredibly. It's really, like Eric was saying, incredible. Incredibly, it's, it's appreciated um, like 70% in Capital Heights. It's just like unbelievable. I, I remember flipping a property not too long ago, it seems like 
maybe two, three years ago, three years ago, where we, we were barely able to sell the property for $150,000. And it was a nice property in Capitol Heights about three or four years ago now. Now, Capitol Heights is almost selling for like $400,000, $450,000. It's like unbelievable. Um, detached home in Capitol Heights, easily almost four hundred, almost four hundred in Capitol Heights. Mining the highest comp I have in Suitland is like three for for my um, split foyer on like a half an acre of land, four bedrooms, three full baths. My highest comp is like three fifty. I'm gonna put it on the market for three seventy five and. You know, see what happens. Capital Heights is is um, selling better than Suitland. So, so you guys got it. Like all the heights, um, all the hills. Andre is saying District Heights surprisingly almost four hundred, just like Capital Heights. And it's because investors are going in there, buying extremely low, and one by one selling as high as they can, and the appraisers are giving them, you know, the value one by one. <clears throat> so it behooves you to be be you know definitely um, be a part of that. All right, so <clears throat> we might not be able to get to the map. We're running out of time. All right, do you recommend buying from auctions? Absolutely. Um, the pros are with auctions you can get great deals. The cons are sometimes you don't really know what you're getting. <clears throat> Because a lot of the auction properties, you, you, you're unable to see the inside. <clears throat> Even the ones that you are able to see the inside, um, you're not allowed to like have a home inspection and things like that. Things like that. <clears throat> um, so some of the auction places. Um, Hub Zoo is probably the best in my opinion. I look at Hub Zoo probably every day. <clears throat> and it's all across the country. My cousin in South Carolina, he looks at some, uh, Hub Zoo as well. And he'll call me and ask me to vet deals. And so my favorite is Hub Zoo. But there's uh, Zone, X-O-M-E. There's Auction.com. Um, locally, there's Ashland Auctions, um, AlexCooper.com. I used to look at Alex Cooper every day. Um, now I look at it maybe once a week. But those, those are the best auction uh, houses. Obviously, um, you could go to the courthouse steps. Um, but ironically, a lot of our investors, a lot of my investors are buying properties at the auction. Like they're they're getting them at the auction. Allison got her property at the auction. Uh, I forget how Latif, I think, no, Latif got his at the auction too. So I think Latif bought his at the auction too. Um, and so you can get properties at the auction. Uh, let's see, pros and cons of um, buying wholesale properties is, are there, are, um, is there a company list of wholesale properties? No, there's no, we don't have a company list of wholesale properties. Most of you guys are part of our mastermind Facebook page. And so you can put your deals there. I have seen deals there. And so um, that's where I would say go kind of um, 
eternally um, uh, to, to find properties. I didn't mean to say internally. I don't even know what I was talking about now. Um, you said ugly equals discount. Um, do you try to negotiate lower than the model? Uh, 65% ARV, 20% repair costs. No, no, I, I, it, it just depends. Um, I, I said that the uglier the property, the better. And I still believe that. Um, if the house is burnt, I love it. If the house has a ton of mold, I love it even more. Um, the only things that I, I try to stay away from is, um, foundation issues. I try to stay away from those properties. If I look on the um, exterior of the property and it's got a crack in the foundation or I go into the basement and it's got a crack, then I, I mean, that's like a 20, 30, sometimes $40,000 problem. And so I try to stay away from found, although I have purchased properties with foundation issues, I would rather buy a house that's burned or Mold, I really love mold. Mold is gold. Write it down, write it down. Mold is gold. It's so easy to get rid of mold. That's like nothing. Sometimes you just spray. You just go to Home Depot and buy a can of, of kilts, spray it on there and wipe it off. I mean, if the mold is too bad, then you just cut out, you just um, cut out the drywall and take the drywall out. Um, you might have to take out the insulation if it's gone all the way through. And just that part of the mold, sometimes at worst, it's two or three feet up from the floor. You just cut that out, take it out, spray, put the insulation back, wipe down the studs, you know, put the drywall back, you know, mud, sand, paint, and you're good. And so mold is nothing, mold, but mold will allow you to get a great deal. So I love mold, love burnt. The uglier, the better. Um, the question is, do you go lower than the model? Here, here's what you guys can't do. Here's what you can't do. Don't talk yourselves out of a deal. Don't think that because there's mold or the house caught on fire or it's just ugly, needs a lot of work, me and uh one of my agent investors, Marquise, looked at a property today in, in LeDroit Park in Northwest DC over by Howard University. And it was ugly. It, uh, the, the homeowner was a hoarder. It was ugly, but we had to stick to the formula because you just never know if there's another investor that's going to make an offer on the property. Stick to the formula. Don't talk yourself out of it. Don't lowball and think you're gonna get a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful deal because guess what you're gonna end up getting? Nothing. So stick to the formula, do the, do the estimate if you can for the repair costs. I, I tell you guys, if you don't take a contractor, then generally speaking, probably works, I'll say 70% of the time. 20% of the after repair value is repair costs. Um, but in a case where there's a ton of mold, fire, things like that, don't use that 20%. Take a contractor with you, get the right estimate 
so that you don't underestimate the repair cost. You can put that right number, that number for repair cost into your formula so that your numbers will be right. And then let's buy according to the formula. Um, let's, let's not try to talk ourselves out. Early in my career, I would do that. I see a lot of investors do that. I see a lot of wholesalers trying to wholesale too high and they end up not making any money. And so let's make our money. I mean, if we, if we make 20% of the after repair value, who's mad at that? Um, the average repair, average ARV now that I see, average ARV now is about, on average, about four, I'm, I'm saying 400, but it's probably, well, put it this way, in Prince George's County, Maryland, it's 400. So 20% of that is $80,000. Um, $80, so on average in Prince George's County, Maryland, you're making $80,000 sticking to the formula. Now in, in, in DC, it's, it's probably, I'll say the average in DC is about uh, six, mm, about seven average, about 700,000 average in, in DC because east of the river is easily a row house in east of the river is easily selling for 400 500 so that's on the low end on the high end in like columbia heights 16th street heights and some of those other areas petworth brightwood those areas are selling for let's just call it a million so on average we're talking about about 700 so 700 so at average Profit you're going to make on a flip in DC is about one. I'll, I'll call it 140. Let's just say 120. Sticking to the formula. Who's mad by sticking to the formula? Um, on average, you're going to make about $120,000 on average in DC. Why are you going to lowball to try to make 150 with a chance of losing the deal? Let's not do that. Let's not be greedy. Let's not be greedy. We can't. We're not going to make any money being greedy. It's it's about putting out the right price. So getting it for the right price, getting the right financing, getting the right contractors, um, having the right finishes, um, staging it, and then selling it for the right price. Bam! In this market, you just made yourself a hundred and twenty thousand dollars. I put a property, I just finished my Brentwood property where I bought it for 300, put about 120 into it, um, just put it on the market for 640. And I believe an offer is coming in, hopefully today. Um, a couple of people went and looked at it, um, hopefully today. On that property, I'm just, as a lesson, I'm not bragging, um, I'll easily make probably 130. Call it 120. Um, and that's with after repair value um, of, of 600. Well, 640. Um, I should make about, about 120, 130 on that property. And so um, let's not lowball, stick to the formula. All right. Uh, what advice would you give to someone who, 
All right, so here's a good question. Um, what advice would you give to someone who wants to get started in real estate in the DMV, but only has $30,000 to invest? Someone's new, we got a newbie has $30,000. What advice would I give? Um, couple things that come to mind. Number one, I'd spend a little bit of money on marketing, postcards, um, virtual assistants calling for you. Um, I'd spend a little bit of money on marketing, getting some automation like deal machine and things like that. A little bit of it. Rest of it, as a newbie, what I would do, let's say you've got $25,000 left after you started marketing for deals. I would find it, find a mentor, find a cash buyer, find another investor with a lot of experience and try to partner with them. I would try to put up, so now you got 25, you put up 25, they put 20 up 25, either you find a deal, they find a deal. With 25, you can be a partner. With $30,000, you can be a partner. Either a partner, joint venture partner splitting the profits, or with $25,000, you can be a private lender and get 10% on your money. Maybe somebody will give you 15% on your money and then shadow them throughout the process, shadow them um, as a private lender. But you can lend the money. You can lend them the money. Here's what's good about lending that $25,000 or $30,000 and, and getting a guarantee 10%, 15%, whatever it is. What's good about that is when you when you go to a bank and ask for a line of credit, one of the things that they're going to say is you're, you're going to ask for a line of credit to renovate properties or buy and hold. They're going to the first one of the first questions is, have you done this before? Can you show what they call past performance? If you if you've if you're a private lender on a property, you put up 25, 30,000, you make sure that your LLC name goes on the settlement sheet. Now you can show past performance by being a, um, a private lender. Yes, I've got past performance. They generally want two properties um, before they lend to you, um, um, before the, the community banks lend to you. You could be a private lender with $25,000, $30,000 on two properties. A lot of my coaching students have just, just so that they can get past performance, I let, I let them lend me money on deals that close. Now they've got settlement sheets with their names on it, with their LLC names on it. Um, Linda asks, do you have past performance? Bam. Bam. Two properties, past performance. Where's my money? Where's my money? Um, but yeah, that's what I would do. And now they'll lend to you. But the biggest lesson is um, when you're lending money, if that's what you do, uh, follow that investor around. Show up at a minimum of once a week to learn. Um, or you can joint venture. Joint venturing, in my opinion, is a little more riskier because when you when you joint venture or you partner, you're taking part of the profit, which means you also have to take part of the loss if there's a loss. As a private lender, 
um, you're guaranteeing your, your interest. Now, sometimes if everything goes perfectly, it's better to be a joint venture partner or a partner because the profit is going to be higher than the interest that you're going to make on your money. But the risk is, is too high. So I would rather see you not take that risk, uh, be a private lender, uh, put yourself in a position to show the past performance, but then also learn all along the way. And so that, that's what I would do with the money. All right, you guys, if you have any other questions, uh, I think I've answered. I may have missed a question or two, but I think I've answered all the questions um, that was sent in right at nine o'clock. Uh, put in the comment section. Let me know. Um, let me know if there's any questions that you may have. Um, Eric is asking, is there a downside to investing in condos in D.C.? Um, here's my answer. Is there, is there a downside in D.C.? No, there's, there's no downside. In any major city, in any capital city, in any country in the world, D.C. is the capital city of D.C., um, you're kind of insulated from um, like depression and recession. When we went through a recession, it didn't hit... It hit, it hit the whole country. Um, it didn't hit D.C. that bad, especially not as bad as like Baltimore and Prince George's County, Maryland. Um, property values weren't appreciating, um, but they they really weren't going down in value either in D.C. Um, D.C. obviously um, has the federal government. Um, so in D.C., it's either either you work directly for the federal government or you service um, the federal government. Like as investors, as real estate people, we service or sell houses to people who uh, you know have federal government jobs. So there's always going to be commerce in a capital city. Um, in my opinion, this is the greatest city for African-Americans. There's no better city in the world for African-Americans. There's more African-American millionaires in D.C., more African-American homeowners in D.C. Uh, Prince George's County, Maryland is um, the richest African-American county in the United States. And so for me, and I'm not originally from here, and from, for you guys, honestly, there's not a better area to be a real estate investor than this area. Uh, because we have D.C. that's kind of insulated from recession. But then, at least from my house in Bowie, I'm 30 minutes to Baltimore. And it's, it's, the, it's like, how do we how did we how did we end up with this? Baltimore, from, for most of us, is 30 minutes away. And it's the it's the number one residential rental area in the United States. Like we. We have the best of both worlds. Some of y'all should be jumping up and down, jumping for joy right now. Problem is we're, we're not taking advantage of it. Like there's no better place in the United States for an investor like us than here. We've got the best of all worlds. If you, there's, there's no better place to buy for equity and appreciation than a capital city.
we're here in the capital city. There's no other place to 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 uh, buy for cash flow than Baltimore. It's the number one residential rental area in the United States. So, so there you go. All right, a couple more questions, and I'll get you out of here. Um, Iris, are, are there any joint venture partners in the group? Good question. Uh, I would be interested in investing twenty-five thousand. Good, good question. Good question, Iris. So you guys reach out to Iris. Um, Iris, we'll we'll talk. I, I may have some opportunities coming up if if some things go right for me. I may have some opportunities, but I would pose that same question in the um, in the in the um, Facebook page. Um, there's always investors looking for money. Look, Sharvita is saying her. So Iris, maybe uh, I'll get you Sharvita's information. Oh, she put it there. So Sharvita, look at that. Um, if, I mean, Iris, write down Sharvita's number. And so she's looking. So Sharvita's looking. All right. Good question, Iris. Blue High School. Let's go, Iris. Um, let's see. Let's see what Dana is saying. On a buy and hold in D.C., are there any ways to get around the crazy rental uh, tenant protection that can be a nightmare um, for owners and landlords? No. In most cities across the United States, especially urban cities, Dana, um, they're, they're tenant friendly. All the cities are ten tenant friendly. I talked to friends in Atlanta, New York, forget about it, worse than here. Um, but in every major city, urban city, tenant friendly, they don't they don't want a bunch of homeless. Um, they want low income. They want affordability. And so that's that's what we're going to get. That's what we have to deal with in D.C. So so renting in D.C. is pros and cons. But honestly, there's more pros than cons. They just they recently uh, relaxed the. Um, the TOPA laws that required a homeowner to offer when selling the property, offer the property to the tenant first. So about, it's been two years now. So they relaxed that law, um, Dana, <clears throat> where it's not a requirement anymore to um, offer your property to the tenants first, unless it's two units or more and, or, if the homeowner is, I believe it's 65 years or older, then um, then you have to give them a first right of refusal. <clears throat> but I mean, I mean, we're in a we're in a major city, we're in a capital city. Uh, it's going to be tenant friendly. So make sure you buy the property right, um, but then also make sure that um, you take care of that property. Says, will government renting take care of that issue? <clears throat> Absolutely. So there's really no TOPA issues when you're renting to a voucher holder or Section 8, because in most cases, they they don't, you know, housing is going to um, place them, help place them in another property in most cases. <clears throat> I believe that DC still has a program where they take the voucher. There's a program that you're you're um, you're in a Section Eight program, 
and then they slowly but surely take you off of their program, meaning that um, the Section 8 tenant or the Section 8 recipient starts to pay more and more and more of their own rent. And then they give you, they, then they place you into a first time home buyer program where, um, where, where they give you money to actually buy, to get you out of their program. Um, and so I think they still have that program as well. <clears throat> so yeah, so government renting, Section 8 renting, I swear by it. It's like, I, I just, I swear by it. All right, you guys, um, anything else? All right, so it's 908. I don't I really don't have time to go over the math. I, I wanted to, but I don't have time to. <clears throat> so we'll we'll start with the math um, next time. And so again, if you guys are interested in um, our platinum coaching program, reach out to me, reach out to Keith Bennett. Uh, we'll be taking our platinum coaching students probably um Look at Iris. She says she wants to jump for joy. Okay, good. I uh, will probably not this weekend because I think it's Easter weekend, but the weekend after that, uh, I have two properties that um, are finished or will be finished by then. One's finished now um, and it's staged and on the market. My other property in Suitland will be staged and on the market by then. Ho hopefully both of them will be under contract. Um, by then, but we'll be able to go to both properties, and that's probably what we'll do. Um, the last two shadows, um, I believe, they were in both both in, in in Baltimore, but so we'll be here in D.C., Prince George's County. Uh, if you guys want to join the, the um, Platinum Coaching Program, reach out, get the information. Um, other than that, you guys, let let's um, let's make some some bold moves. Let's let's do what we can <clears throat> to improve ourselves and, and to improve our lives. Let's let's make sure that you know we're we're really living up to our fullest potential. You know, kind of kind of do you know a self evaluation with yourself and ask yourself the question, the tough question: Am I doing all that I can to make myself better? and to make my family better and then everybody around me you know it's just not just your immediate family some of you guys have nieces some of you guys have nephews even brothers and sisters that are looking for role models be that role model um success leaves clues and so try not to do this on your own now every time i make you know i, I have a, a new venture and i've had some new ventures in the last 12 months I look for people who've already done what I'm trying to do so that I don't have to reinvent the wheel. And I'll continue to do that as I, you know, climb that ladder to reach, you know, what I feel like is my fullest potential, which to be honest with you, you know, the sky's the limit. As long as I'm, I'm, I'm dreaming, got to dream. As long as I'm dreaming, as long as I'm, I'm taking action on some of the, the dreams you know, as long as it's got to make sense. <clears throat> but as long as I'm doing all those things, you guys, sky's the limit for me, sky's the limit for you. What can you do? Um, how, how can you take your real estate business to the next level? Um, you got to get the guidance and the support, and that's what I'm here for. 
A lot of you guys are doing a good job reaching out to me, um, not just here on Tuesdays, but you're calling me, you're texting me, you're emailing me, um, meeting you guys at properties, I'm vetting deals. Like, I love that stuff. It does, that doesn't even seem like work. And then I get to meet you guys and help you guys live out your dreams. But because of that, I know that I'm going to get all my blessings too. So let me let me help you. Let my team help you. Let's win. I want all of us to win. Let's go. Let's win. All right, you guys. Take care. Um, have a great week. Have a great um, Easter weekend. If you have any deals you want me to vet, look at, purchase, uh, whatever the case may be, let me know. Let me know. Let's all go. Let's all win. All right, take care, God bless, and I will talk to you soon. Good night.